0: Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 67. We are covering the 2019 Valero Texas Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul.
1: Morning, Steve. How was your uh, short break over to New York last week? Tiring. (laughs) Tiring, yeah back on uh, back on UK time yeah
0: all I will all I will say is that um, what will I say New York takes um, a metropolis to a new level so you know we're local to London here aren't we over in Mm. uh, the United Kingdom and London's a very busy world city but it's it's got uh, it's it's nowhere near the level of intensity of New York City it's cracking I will be going back my miss is already planning another trip
1: it must have gone well now.
0: Although she said it's going to be when I'm fifty, which is four years time, I think that's far too far away for my life. I said to her, "I won't make 50. What's the? What is the point? Yeah. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Uh, naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. You can follow us, uh, I'm at Bamford Golf, Paul is at Golf Betting, look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, which we added a couple of weeks ago, and a myriad of different pod channels, you can also listen via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Naturally subscribe and follow the podcast, and this is the important bit. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. And naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Next week's show, Paul, being the Masters pod, which will be our biggest pod of the year. So if you want to get your name, if you want to get your views out on the biggest podcast of 2019, do it this week. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out in the podcast. I have a review from last week. It's from 7795 Jim, and he's in the United States of America. Starting the golf week here is the title. Five stars. I listen to these guys every week. Always look forward to hearing what they have to say. They have led me to a couple of winners over the past year. So keep up the great content. Thank you very
1: much, Jim. Yeah, very nice, Jim. Thank you very much indeed. I'll tell you one thing.
0: We shouldn't really be making this about my uh, trips away. But one thing I did remember from my New York visit, because I went to the one observatory, did all the tourist rubbish, Mm. Went to the top of the Empire State, blah, blah, blah. Because when I was at the top of the Empire State, I was looking around and I'm thinking, well, we got a review from Hoboken over there the other day mm-hmm. and then went you know, and then got a review from Jer- New Jersey. There's, there's just loads of Golf Betting System podcast listeners that live in the New York City area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing, eh?
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's and nice, I made nice absolutely to no effort to meet yeah. any
0: of them. <laughs> it is. And do you know what else I saw out there, Paul? By the way, listeners, this is the first time that Paul and I have spoken about my triple A, hence why I'm nattering. Uh, DraftKings adverts. DraftKings bookmaker adverts on their sports channels.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But, of course, when you see the ad, you're sitting in Manhattan in a bar watching it, and it says that it's for New Jersey residents only. So you can't actually, clearly, if you're a New York resident,
1: Yeah. No good. OK, that doesn't really make a great deal of sense, does it? But there you go. Well, I suppose where you,
0: half of a great proportion of commuters go into Manhattan to do their daily work. So if they're sitting there having a beer after work mm. and they know that they can go... I mean, how does it work? So, it must, it must be know, listeners, yeah. t- tell us. Listeners, tell us. You know, there's a lot of different ways to contact. If I'm sitting in Manhattan on my phone and I want to have a bet, Do I have to go to New Jersey to physically put the bet on or is it the fact that I'm a resident of New Jersey?
1: You'd imagine there's some kind of geo um, restrictions, wouldn't you? But uh, mm. who knows? Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out, wouldn't it? So this, I presumably, this is for the uh, sports book rather than the uh, the fantasy golf they were advertising or fantasy sports they were advertising on the on the team. Yeah,
0: no, it was it was for their it was their sports book betting mm-hmm. service that they were advertising. Very for, good, pushing it very hard. Lots and lots of different adverts across all the ad breaks. Mm-hmm. DraftKings all over it like a rash. All moving. So on. That was interesting. Yeah. And bearing in mind that the world match play was on, whatever sports channels I had, had no content of the world, the Dell world match play at all until Tiger hold that approach shot. Right, okay. And then it was on every two minutes. Yeah. With him standing. And then they were all over the Rory
1: McIlroy-Tiger Woods match for the core, uh, the last 16 match. Yeah, yeah. But they would have been, I guess it's, it's such a huge attraction, wasn't it? A bit disappointing the way it went to be fair because up to that point Rory who I'd backed pre-event had been playing some lovely golf and then uh, just couldn't uh, couldn't make a puck could he in that game rather disappointingly it moved right into what, what? strong favourite right
0: that's, that's a fascinating point for me because Rory was back Rory's you know back to his very best because he won the players mm. and he played he played very well at the players but no one ever really got to the point of putting him under any pressure, did they? He was always just kind of edging away when he needed to. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, and it then was... put
0: him in a high-pressure environment against Tiger Woods in a head-to-head match, and he couldn't make a putt. Yeah. So what? 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 What does that tell us about next
1: week and and McIlroy? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? When it's when it's easy, when it's yeah, when the when the pressure's off a little bit, I guess. Then, but he did. He just sorted through the first three rounds. There's, there's there was no, you know, barely broke a sweat. It was very straightforward. Mm. I think he'd moved into it yeah. was it was sub four to one to win the tournament at that point. Going into the uh, the round of sixteen, you and said
0: that though, didn't you? You said that the group would be
1: absolutely no problem for it. Yeah. That's the way it worked out. Yeah, you? and it's yeah, you know, it, it all part of your logic. It was relatively straightforward compared to a lot of the other groups that certainly didn't go the way people had seen them. But um, but yeah, it just it was carnage, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, in the top. Top left bracket, the way I looked at it, um, you know, I, I didn't go for Kucho because his, uh, his bracket sitting there with, um, with John Rahm at the top of it looked very dangerous. He had Dustin Johnson at the top half of that uh, section as well, should he get through. And, um, you know, I swerved away from it. And then, of course, he wins the group, makes his way all the way through to the final. And <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was suddenly a Kevin Kisner fan at that point because I really don't want to. Uh, you, know, oh, well, you did, after you did that,
0: say but. you did say in the pod that Kochar was the one you regretted not backing.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I, and I, you know, had he had he been in a slightly more straightforward um, path of the path of the final path out of the mm. group for a start, then um, you know it'd have been an easier back. But then I suspect he would have been a longer price. I mean, you, you weigh it all up, don't you? Disappointing one was was uh, Poulter, really because he beat Kisner in the first round. Um, and it uh, got through to the playoff with him um, in his group, and then lost that lost that playoffs. Went out at that point, and of course Kisner went on to, to win the whole thing. So, you know, that was potentially the one. Had that gone the other way, where you know someone with the match play match play prowess of Ian Poulter could have uh, could have pushed on further. But uh, it's a tough game, a, t- a tough event to try and work out, isn't it? It's a tough event to try and.
0: It is, but it does. Him. This this Pete this peak die speciality came through mm. again, didn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the look at the two finalists. Yeah, and and length off the tee clearly had absolutely nothing to do with it.
1: Yeah. Oh no no, I, and you know you, you look at the course and the way the course sets up, and some of the holes you can really attack. Some of the holes are, are you know, tailor made for a longer driver, and some of them you've just got to be accurate. And you know, yeah, I think, like the eighteen. Yeah, I think you you boil it all down and. You know those players who get on with that style of track and the peak die tracks as well, as you say, you know, they've, uh, they've started to shine through. It's an interesting angle, but unfortunately, that's the last time that we're going back to uh, Austin Country Club, isn't it? So, um, we'll have a new is that true? It was four years. I mean, I've looked around to try and find where the venue is for next year, and I've seen nothing written about it so far. Oh, so. I think.
0: I thought I saw something just before the event kicked off saying that they'd extended it. Oh, right, okay. Ball.
1: Okay, yeah, missed that. Good, but Could I might well be, be wrong. Case. Could well be the case. We shall see.
0: I think they might have extended it.
1: We'll find out in due course. I'm sure. But I know it, it, that Luke,
0: Lu, Lucas Biergaard's now up to forty third in the world after that. He was impressive. Was an impressive performance.
1: He it, was you know? impressive, yeah. And uh, we know he's a good player. We know know how good he can be, but. Um, up against some of those top players, he really put on a decent shift. So, certainly an eye catcher for the week, has to be said. Mm. Uh, G Mac got no over the line.
0: Yeah, gone. Well, if we. It... He could have got to the final. I mean, I was watching the mm. semi final with Kuchar, and it, he, um, he he managed to get level, I think, on 15. Yeah. So, they were level with three to play. And then he just made an absolutely awful chip on the par five. Mm. Chipped it, I think twelve fifteen foot past, and you just think you got nose of that down, and it's birdie, and we go to seventeen all square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, and that you, he, he cracked at that point. He kept it going though. He, he hold a nice putt on seventeen to keep the match going, but Kuchar just had a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you did you see anything about this Garcia Garcia Kuchar <laughs> fiasco? Yeah. Or is it just um, constantly okay. picking up picking at prey on social media?
1: There's <sighs> a, lo- a lot being written about it, and. I don't know if you have you seen the uh No, I did see. It. They, they they did a little um a couple of minutes uh, chat afterwards to kind of um settle the uh, settle the score and Kuchal was saying how well that Garcia took it and I don't know. I think what it shows you is Kuchal's got this ruthless streak within him where you know he, he he wants to win, or he, he, you know, he clearly got a direction of what it is that he wants to do, whether it was right or wrong. Um, I at the end of the day, Garcia made the mistake, you know, I think, you know, Kuchar was well within his rights to, to, to not do anything about it. But, um, you know, in the spirit of sportsmanship, would you have given him the next hole? I don't know, you know, in the heat of the moment with Garcia screaming at him up the fairway on the next, I, I think I'd have done the same thing and told him to stuff it personally. But, there Is that what
0: happened? Was he screaming at
1: him? Yeah, they were having a you know. The he,
0: he didn't say that in the cart. He said, "Oh, you know, I said to him on the next tee, you know, what can we do to make this better?" I didn't realize he
1: then yeah, started they were, screaming. They, at they him. were walking, they walking up the fairway, and Karsie was just you know, yap yeah, yeah, telling him what he could do, and give you know about giving him a putt on the next hole and all of that. And Kuchar was just kind of stoic with it and did nothing and <laughs> carried on. Uh, won won the match, mm. as you do yeah, you know, boil it all down, has made the mistake, hasn't he? And he's just, you know, just out of petulance, really. Sailor V. But yeah, you know, going back to the other events, GMAT got over the line, you know, we know that he's, uh, he's got a bit of a, uh, challenge to try and get into the, open championship, hasn't he? The, at Port Rush this year, so, uh, um, it's, a big, incentive for him to be playing well, over the next, uh, next few weeks and months, and, it's not the first time that he's won in that kind of environment, is it?
0: In my mind, Matt Kuchar um, can't win the Masters because he isn't quite long enough. But we know that he's an Augusta specialist. And he's sitting there at 50 to 1 right now, level with Henrik Stenson and Mark Leishman in the betting market. And I just think, do you know what? That ain't a bad price. You know, 50 to 1 and you're likely to get, what, eight places? On Matt Kuchar to finish in the top eight, a guy that's been probably one of the most impressive players the whole this season.
1: Mm.
0: I don't think he wins it, but I tell you what, I'd be surprised if he blows up and misses the cut. Well,
1: he's come because he does. Close
0: his, result, his, his results at, uh, around Augusta are very mm. good, aren't they? Yeah. I think, is it three or four top
1: fives, top sixes? Yeah, he's been he's been in the vicinity isn't there. I can't, I can't recall him actually being you know dead in it right up to the very end in, in any of the Masters mm. but he's, um, he's certainly got some decent enough finishes and if you're looking for an each way place then potentially mm. worst bets then
0: um, talking of specialisms because we were talking about Pete Dye Pete Dye designs for the world match play you've got to look at Graham McDowell haven't you on a coastal train. Mm. I made a note, and I said it in last week's podcast about the Corales. Try and get Pete, I, I was focusing on people that were sitting in the top top of my rolling GIR. Yeah, and he was uh, in the top. He was the last one I looked at because he just snuck in at thirtieth spot in my analysis, and I thought thirtieth, 30th, thirtieth is good enough. And I'd made the fatal mistake, the fatal mistake of one focusing far too much on the PGA Tour statistics and two it's a 7,600 yard par 72 yeah. Graham McDowell can't win it it's the
1: length that put me off him I must say um, and the price wasn't
0: brilliant was it no, I mean when uh, he won at Maya it? Cobra a couple of years ago he was 50 to 1 and he was 40 to 1 coming off like 40 thirds and 50 seconds and all this mm. but there was something there to grab onto because he'd won at Maya Cobra and again Someone that plays very, very well, El Chameleon, because it was last year it was Garnet. This year, Graham McDowell. So two notes for V for next year: forget about PGA Tour stats, go on your gut, and secondly, just focus on guys that are hitting plenty of greens and play well at Chameleon.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those um, events where you do get quite a few players from off of the PGA Tour playing, don't you? Even, you know, either either the European Tour or um, some of the yeah. some of the lesser tours as well. So it's a bit more of a mixed. Um, field, so yeah. so yeah. I guess if you if you got hung up on the PGA Tour stats in isolation, then it could so, could lead you down. I used
0: path. to, well, I used to also back Chris Stroud every single year at El Chameleon mm. and he'd often finish third or fourth, like year after year. And uh, he threw away the actual victory, didn't he? Bogged yeah. the last two yeah. to hand it to McDowell.
1: Yeah, he was he was very so very that
0: dense. that that El Chameleon Maya link is absolutely cast iron. Mm. And also, you just look at it, garnet, it. Those none none of them are big bombers. So you think yeah, seven thousand six hundred yards? They. I don't know if they if it plays to its full length because the, the coverage there? is so loose. Is I don't that? know if they bring the tees forward or whatever they do. That something's not quite. I think uh, I think as we said last week, because the three of the par fives are too long even for the bombers, it becomes a bit of a wedge fest. Mm. Anyway. know. It wasn't the best. It has to be said. We're not on the best of runs, are we? We need to. We need to get. We need to snap out of it. I, yeah, we're is, getting a lot. It, we're getting a lot of guys that aren't aren't converting at the end of tournaments, and we're getting a lot of guys that are playing three very good
1: rounds and one crap round. Oh, Miko Cajonan in um, in, no. the, in India. He was. I, I know. You know. There'll be fifteen different players that you could have looked at. Um, over the final six, eight holes and you know, there'd be a sob story for virtually all of them because there were so many players in, in with a chance. You know, if you'd back Julian Suri, then he'd be absolutely screwing from the way that mm-hmm. um well, the fourteenth hole where it all fell apart for him, is such a brutal hole. Such a brutal hole in India. And his shot in his approach into fourteen was you know it was a, a foot away from being good. And uh, he makes quadruple bogey, and that's just the measure of that particular hole. And Cajonan, who um, I'd back pre-event, yeah. um, he he very nearly birdied the fourteenth. He played that out, you know, an outstanding approach shot. He left himself fifteen feet. He burnt the edge, so he's sitting there two shots behind, on standing on the on the par five. Um, Par 5, 15th, where most of the players ahead of him have still got to play this 14th hole. And I'm thinking, actually, you know, he's got a real stab at this. He's got a real stab at it. So the next you see, I'm sure I saw his ball in the fairway. He didn't see his drive. I'm sure I saw his ball in the fairway. So I think, OK, he's going to have a go at the green. And then you didn't see him for 10 minutes because this all of this was kicking off with Surrey as he was knocking the ball backwards and forwards over the top of the 14th green. Um, and next thing you see, he's made a double. And it's like... <laughs> I saw that
0: from? pop up on my computer screen, and so I, I realised at that point that you'd be you'd be uh, shouting expletives and um, and oh, switching the TV. Over. Uh,
1: how how the how uh, TV survived that, I don't really know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we shall uh, we shall go again this week and have oh, a good, cra- have a crack at the Valero Texas opening.
0: We are going to record a Masters podcast this week. We've also been led to believe that Barry O'Hanrahan is going to be on the show. Mm. Our, latest, our, our last uh, conversations were that he's returned from Dubai after going to the top of the Burj Khalifa and also throwing himself out the side of a plane. Uh, he survived that, yep. apparently.
1: Lived to tell the tale.
0: He's lived to tell the tale, and he's going to be on our Masters podcast that we're going to record later this week. So it's going to be our Masters pre-show. So that will be coming out later this week and then yeah. on Monday or potentially Tuesday morning, we'll have to work out it's gonna work. We will doing we'll be doing our Masters Selections podcast. As ever, we are rather excited about mm. the Masters.
1: Yeah. Nearly there.
0: Interest interesting to see that Coral have already gone ten places each way at fifty odds on the uh, on the Masters next week. And that has to be taken into account because, clearly, I think all of the other bookmakers are pretty much in their still anti-post mode. So until they go into their real prices, it'll all settle down in terms of where the odds sit and where the each-way places sit. But Mm -hmm. Coral already got out there. They're 10 places each-way, a fifth, the odds for the Masters next week. You would assume that there will be others that have to follow that. I think
1: now that they've made that stand, I think you'll see another couple go ten. Um, mm. we, we shall see. But yeah, I mean, on the basis that Paddy and Betfair and Ball Sports recently have all been going at eight as standard on the BJ tour, um, I'd be surprised if um, one, if not all of those, don't. Uh, don't take a chance on it but we shall see yeah we'll find out I suspect as you say it'll be once they start forming their final markets which I guess are probably likely to come Sunday um, they yeah, may, may wait till Monday but you might see some of these on Sunday this week after the, uh, after the bookers have all got their grand national heads um, out of the out way, the way yeah. are you backing
0: tiger roll at are you, odds <laughs> on this, uh, this year for the grand national no I don't,
1: I, no, no. <laughs> Did I see four to one about Tiger Roll? Yeah. Wow. It doesn't interest me at the Grand National, that, that kind of price, I must say.
0: Good horse. Mm. But that's kind of red rum territory, isn't mm. it?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, what's... sorry,
0: we, we digress. I know that we, we have golf punters mainly on here, but we're talking about the Grand National, which is our biggest steeplechase, or it's the biggest steeplechase in the world. Right, Let's let's talk Valero Texas Open. Now, there's a few complexities to this week. Firstly, it's the warm-up to the Masters. Secondly, the warm-up to the Masters traditionally always used to be played at the Houston Open, and that's played at the Golf Club of Houston, which is a different kind of beast to what we're dealing mm. with this week. Uh, that's a kind of – that's just a rip golf course, isn't it? It's grip and rip, and just – it's a real bomber's golf course. Um saying that Ian Poulter won there last year, but – One thing that I did find interesting, and I'll I'll throw this straight into the mix from the outset. These are the players and the prices since 2013 of the winner of the tournament prior to the Masters, yeah? Yeah. 2013, it was actually played here. 2013, it was played here uh, at uh, TPC San Antonio. The rest of them were all all played in uh, Houston. 100-1, to Martin Laird. 2014. So we're now talking golf club of Houston, Houston Open. 125 to 1, Matt Jones. 2015, JB Holmes, he won at 25 to 1. He had already qualified for Augusta. I think he was like 25 in the world at that stage, believe it or not.
1: Yeah.
0: He'd been playing some absolutely brilliant golf, going close all the way from the West Coast. Yeah, he won in Phoenix as well
1: that year. Uh, I don't know
0: if he was. He was certainly contended. Mm. He, he'd finished second or third, even at Bay Hill. He was playing some awesome stuff. Or actually, I think he missed the cut at Bay Hill, and that's why I didn't back him in Houston, and then he goes and wins. But he was playing some good stuff, J.B. Holmes. But then, 2016, 400-1, Jim Herman. Good luck with that. 2017, 40-1 was Russell Henley, and Russell Henley, I think, had had a top 10 at Valspar. Or somewhere like that, and then came straight to Houston, where I think he'd finished something like th- in the top five. Three seasons on the trot. Yeah. So a lot of people were on Henley at forty to one. Again, another non qualifier. So if we look at it, Laird Jones, Herman Henley, all non Augusta qualifiers. Twenty eighteen, last year, Impolter had made the, is it the quarterfinals? Yeah, the quarterfinals at the match play. Got beat and he was 51st in the official world golf rankings. So that door had closed yeah. on getting to Augusta. He then beat Bo Hosler in a playoff at 100 to 1 at the Golf Club of Houston. So 100 to 1, 125 to 1, 400 to 1, and 100 to 1. Four of the six winners of this event in the last three years, triple digit. The other two, Holmes was in great nick, Henley. Was also in very good nick and was arriving at a golf course he liked, and that's kind of just looking at that is where I've kind of been thinking in terms of a landscape for my selections this week.
1: Yeah, you got this dynamic as well, haven't you, with the the final place at the Masters, and I think is something that, I think there's only sixteen or that thereabouts players that are playing this week who have. Already qualified for Augusta. The rest, are, that's right, they're yeah, all fighting yeah, 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 yeah. for this final spot. So, um, and given the history, you know, it's it would suggest that in, in most likelihood that one of those players are going to be the ones who triumph and, uh, and do get themselves that final spot. Just, just there was a great
0: tweet on this, list though. I brought it up: Biagard, Finau, Fowler, Hoffman, Charlie, Holmes, Horschel, Keimer, Kim, Siwu. Kuchar, Landry, Lee, Houtong, Adam Long, Jordan Spieth, Kyle Stanley, Kevin Tway and Jimmy Walker. Those are the 16 players who are Mm. in the Masters field for next week. Now, as JB Holmes proved, you don't need to back instantly players that haven't already qualified to win this. But the only one that has in the last six years was in particularly good nick when he won it, and I'm looking down that name of that list of names: Walker, Tway, Stanley. I don't know how Carl Stanley is still in the world top fifty, but he is. Mm. Jordan Speeth, Adam Long, How. To- there aren't many players apart from Matt Kuchar who are playing some of the be- their best golf right now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Tony Finau struggling, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think.
1: Yeah, he is, and you know, was he sixteen to one for this? Sixteen to one doesn't really appeal, does it? I must say. Would you, um, knowing how he works,
0: would you be interested in backing Ricky Fowler, first round leader? Because if you look at his outings in tournaments, the week he he does always like to play the week before a major. Yeah, he does. He also he likes to play the week before the Masters he clearly deliberately kept away from the world match play last week he's playing this um, I can't have him at 10 to 1 um, I, I'm sure that he'll probably place in the top 10 uh, and he's 22 to 1 to be first round leader and that I guarantee if you looked at him he flies on his first round of the He, oft, I remember Houston a couple of years ago he led and then all of a sudden uh, he just Fell away from the top of the lead, but I think he finished fourth or fifth.
1: Yeah, and if it's, I'm not sure it's a, a deliberate thing in that, but clearly if this is just a warm up for the main event, and he gets out the blocks and and he fires a nice, like, nice low round that gives him the confidence that his game's right where it needs to be, and he doesn't need to or want to exert himself to the extent that uh, you know he, mm. he really puts himself in contention, then yeah, potentially the you know more than double the price for first round either yeah, could be the, this is it.
0: Could if you're looking game. for a bigger price on Fowler this week, maybe first-round leader is the way to go. Yeah. That's actually with Betfair, who are six places each way, 50 odds. Mm-hmm. So they're giving away an extra place. Uh, as our Unibet, I keep hi- highlighting those two, but in the first-round leader markets, they're actually giving you an extra place in the main every week. Yes, yeah, that's okay. it's an, it's an
1: interesting point. I mean, personally, I tend to prefer to go for far longer first-round leader punts. Yeah, I know, yeah. I think there's far more vagaries about how 18 holes can play out, and I, I think it does bring different types of players into the mix for for first round leader. But, but yes, I can see your I can see your logic with that, Stephen.
0: And that's the point here. I'm talking prices before we get into the challenge, but I think it's rel- relatively um, worthwhile. Fee now at 16s. Kuchar at 16. Now, we know that Kuchar, when he gets hot, does tend to keep forming consecutive appearances. Oh, yeah, oh, without a doubt. So, I, 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 I think Kuchar is pretty much cast iron to be in the mix again this week.
1: Of the top three, I'd I be going Kuchar if I, if I were backing one in one of the Agreed. top three. Agreed. What do you think's Jordan Spieth? Again, his focus has got to be on next week, but his game's nowhere near it, is it, I, I just... I can't get excited about Spieth any week, let alone next week, but certainly not this week. At I was, some point, uh, watching, come
0: good. But. Oh, yeah. I was watching Jeff Feinberg a few weeks ago on Pat Mayo's um, mm. show, and he was saying on there, when are the bookmakers going to give us a realistic price on Jordan Spieth for the Masters? Yeah. And Pat was saying to him, well, you're not going to get one. Um, and right now, Best price for next week for Jordan Spieth at the Masters is twenty two to one.
1: Yeah, same price as this one. Is you it, got it. So equally likely to win the Valero Texas Open as he is to win the Masters. Mm. Oh, yeah, just I, it's just not right to me. It's just
0: I think that and Jeff pointed this out as well. The difference last year with Spieth was that his tee to green game was absolutely superb. Mm. He couldn't oh, yeah, 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 Absolutely. This year. His tee to green game's completely collapsed, and he's clearly been working so hard on his new putting stroke mm. that the putting's come back, but you've got to hit a number of greens to be able to putt. Yep. And there's this rumour out there about he's visualising a closed face, isn't he, when he's swinging? And it's, there's a lot of big problems with Speed's game at the moment mental problems. Mm. Um, so you've got those four heading the market. Then we've got the likes of Billy Horshaw, who plays well around here, we know. Jason Cograg. Cograg's at 28-1. to 1. I had a very close look at Cograg, but I can't back him at 28-1, to 1, a non-winner. And also, you look at his record. Whenever he's finished second, or come very, very close to knocking on, you know, actually breaking through, his appearance the week at the the uh, time after tends to start with like a seven on the front of it. Right. And then he'll start playing properly and sort of make, might backdoor top 10 or top 15, something like that, after he's taken himself out in round one.
1: Yeah, it can take... Uh, it takes a while for some of these top players to really get to grips with being able to contest each and every week, doesn't it? It's, it's not easy.
0: Is there anyone at the top of the market you were interested in at all?
1: The only one I've backed out of the top ten or so is Jim Furyk, and that's simply because I, I, I think Jim fits the track well um, mm-hmm. in terms of the demands. It's it's not it's not an easy track, is it? I mean, um, no. it's it's not the toughest, you know, it's, it's not up there with the absolute toughest, but it's certainly not easy. You can have some variable conditions this week as well. Um, Jim's striking the ball from the tee outstanding he has been for quite some time I mean, he's first for driving accuracy at the honda third for driving accuracy at the players where he finished second i mean that second place finish at well, tpc sawgrass is outstanding for. Um, fourth for driving accuracy first for greens and regulation at the valspar um, and these are these are decent efforts and um you know i'm safe for running into a, a, a hot Henrik Stenson last week he'd have made it through the group at the um at the match play as well i think he's playing some decent enough stuff and he's got a couple of top sixes. third here in 2013 sixth in 2014 and he's forming texas generally he's got another 12 top 10 finishes in texas over the years so um i can see jim I and mean, I've, I've taken him with eight places at 28 so i think he's if if, if, he's, if that's going to pay back then i think you need some decent place equity in there as well but um, i can see him coming top eight if
0: he'd have won that group match, he'd he'd be in the Masters, wouldn't he? Oh,
1: he's so 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 close. Yeah, absolutely. So he's got massive incentive to, to so go So well The same well, isn't narrative it? as Poulter last year. Yeah, absolutely. Year. Yeah, absolutely. He's you know this is his one shot at it. But I think if there's a if there's a time where Jim's playing, he's playing some outstanding golf. I you know from tee to green, he's very very, yeah. very very strong at the moment and he's got that mentality to, to grind away particularly if it is um, tricky and I know there's going to be some windy days in this as you often get in uh, in Texas don't we but was um, the only one that I've backed and the only one that really interested me right um, you know, in this kind of sub 30 to 1 or under bracket
0: he was the one I came closest to Fury mm. it was just the fact that because it, it was interesting last year Zach Johnson was in the mix wasn't he Quite deep. Yeah. Um, And on that particular week, Zach was averaging, or his driving distance was over 300 yards because the fairways were so fast. Yes. So he was actually 30th for driving distance, Zach Johnson. Can you believe that? Mm. Um, So I actually think the conditions potentially help Jim Furyk this week because if we're getting some roll on the fairways... That can only help him.
1: Yeah, and and you need some accuracy with that to keep it in the fairway, and that's probably why you find that Zach's numbers were so high because he was hitting it straight and he was keeping it on the fairway and he wasn't running out into the rough. So his uh, his driving distance stats look pretty good. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see length being a hindrance here to, to to Furyk this week. I mean, Landry won last year, didn't he? So that puts it into context, really. But yeah, the only one really at the top end that I. I can get excited about I must say.
0: I think Jim and his quest to make the Masters will be the big narrative this week. Mm. And um, it was interesting that I think he was first for Greens in regulation last time out at the Valspar. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, I, I'm with you. If I was going to go for anyone at the top of the market, it would have been Jim Furick. I would take Jim over the likes of Jason Cokerag or Sung J M, Im. That's yep. for certain.
1: Yeah. I mean, if Billy Horshaw was striking the ball from two to green, as we know he can, then he'd be an interesting runner. But He
0: would. But he, he's not, is he? He's he's, putting.
1: he's He's been putting outstanding, which isn't his game. But his long game has just not been where it is. Perhaps he finds his long game this week and justifies 25-1, to 1, but... When I'm seeing Jim at twenty-eight, you know, if you want to take less places, you get thirty to one against Furick. and um, I've done twenty-eight with eight, but um, you know, each to their own. The AT
0: and T Oaks course at TP San Antonio is not your typical US golf course. It can, uh, it basically they try and get it to play fiery and fast. Mm. It's a Greg Norman design, so think El Chameleon, home of the Myer Classic. But it is a stretching par 72, measuring 7,435 yards. A lot of elevation changes as well. And features tight fairways at over 300 yards carry. Missed the fairway here, and the rough is penal. It wasn't too bad last year. The overseed hadn't taken properly. Plus, there's all manner of natural hazards. Greens are undulating, multi-tiered and exotic in their grass structure, feeding emerald, dwarf, Bermuda grass... Overseeded with a combination of Velvet Bengrass, Grass, Trivialis. So actually, they're very, very similar to what we saw at the players. They're That's very, right, yeah. very similar to what we saw at TPC Scottsdale for the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Mm. Scoring difficulty, as is the norm in Texas, is dictated by wind strength and firmness of the course. And it looks like the field this week are in for another tough and particularly hot test. Now, I wrote that on Sunday. And just looking at the weather forecast now, as we sit here, um, 9.45ish over here, UK time. Thursday looks like it could be blowing up to around about 50 miles an hour mid-morning. It's also going to be 28 degrees. Yeah. There is a rumour, a rumour, there is a risk of rain on Sun on Wednesday night before yeah. the tournament. I'll get this to low to see what that risk has grown to. At Vunderground, it could take 10 minutes, as you know. Um, Friday, again, looks. F- it looks like the conditions will be better for the morning starters on Friday. And I wouldn't be surprised looking at this forecast that potentially late early might get the slightly better side of the draw. Um, it looks like it's going to be windier in the morning um, and it quietens down in the uh, to after four o'clock. So you might find some late starters have a yeah. potential chance of a first-round leader. But I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot in it. There isn't going to be a lot. No, no. Uh, look- get, it looks quite calm on Friday Yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: looking at, looking at the first-round leader stats historically, there's been a very good, almost 50-50 mix of PM and AM mm-hmm. starters. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. tend to give you a massive advantage, I don't think. But, um, okay. That's interesting.
0: Saturday was the day that grabbed me. There's a front passing through. And yesterday it was suggesting there could be up to 30 mile an hour wind gusts. But it was electrical activity. Yeah. Um, that still goes. So scattered thunderstorms on Saturday. Uh, The chance of rain on Wednesday evening into um, Thursday is about 50%. So that's a 50-50 call. Mm. It's a 60% chance of this front on Saturday causing a bit of mayhem because um, it looks like it's going to rain intensely and it also looks like that it would be electrical and it would include rain. So I would not be surprised to see the tournament not actually start on time on Saturday and you may find that they won't start until around about lunchtime on a, on a soft golf course with yeah. no wind. So I'm, I'm kind of in a headspace where the last 36 holes of this might be on a soft, long golf course with not a lot of uh, wind in play. So you might see lower scores being produced across the weekend.
1: Yeah, so players have got, got to navigate the first couple of days when it's going to be a bit trickier and then uh, make you score over the weekend.
0: Yes, I think so. Um, so that's an interesting one. So someone that's very, very high on my statistics this week and has great course form and loves a soft golf course is our old friend Ryan Palmer. And you can you can back him at sixty-six to one with one firm at the moment, Unibet. Um Ryan has a habit of being a bit of a bottler. <laughs> but he does like a backdoor top seven. Yeah, he, he? yeah,
1: he can he can produce those finishes, can, can't he? But they tend to be Yeah, as you say, backdoor rather than rather than leading through and, and I was on him up.
0: at Torrey Pines, he led after thirty six holes. He got grouped with Justin Rose and might have been Hideki Matsuama and I held my head in my hands because I knew what was coming on <laughs> <up> Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Sure enough, 77, 76. And then um, you know, he was at PJ National for the Honda Classic a few weeks ago. Um, complete I was he in like 40th spot, 45th place, something like that. Uh, it rains, goes out there, shoots eight under. Oh man. And 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 he said that if he'd have made a putt on the last for a sixty.
1: So it, 62, 62, I think it would have been. Yeah.
0: 62 would have been.
1: He'd have probably had a shot winning. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was a was par five Bay as well,
0: Hill, or, or was it Bay Hill? It was one or other. It was one of the Florida one. Of the Florida yeah, it was that place. final
1: par five, wasn't it? And um, yeah, he, yeah, and he, he missed he, it. He yeah. parred it. Yeah. Had a real stab at it at that point because he have set.
0: The... He's that kind of player, Ryan Palmer. Yeah. But his course form here is outstanding. You can see why because he hits it relatively straight. He hits it very long. He's very aggressive into par five. Right, okay. Back to the preview. So, um, this course, the last few years, uh, 2015, it ranked the second most difficult course on the tour. So, it was actually hard. That's incredible for a standard PGA Tour course. 2016, it was 17 out of 50. Uh, 2017, 10 out of 50. Last year, it was 12 out of 50. I think last year they had very receptive greens because they knew that it was going to be wind win for the opening, hole, uh, opening 36 holes. Yeah. So I think what they did, they let the, co- the rest of the course be its natural self and they went out there with the hoses and made sure the, uh, fair, the, the greens were very, very soft. Uh, whether they do the same with this forecast this year, it's, I mean, and there could be some natural rain anyway. Yeah. I just, I think it will be one of these these tournaments, looking at the forecast, looking at the conditions that are likely, I think it'll be one of these genuine mid-score tournaments, 13 to 15 under wins it.
1: Yeah, with a lot of that score being made sun, uh, Saturday, Sunday, by the looks of it. Definitely.
0: Now, that's interesting because if you actually look here at the past in terms of winners, you have to be in position. Uh, Andrew Landry was seventh after round one, third after round two. Kevin Chappell was second after round two. Charlie Hoffman was second after round two. Jimmy Walker in 2015 was first after round two, as was Stephen Bowditch. So you have to be traditionally on the pace from the very outset to win this.
1: Yeah. Got to, be in, got to be in position at halfway, haven't you? You got it.
0: You got it. Okay. It's a tough golf course. We're looking for players potentially who. It's funny with Jim Furyk because he actually fo- he follows that J.B. Holmes mold, doesn't he? Uh, a short price, someone that's playing some very, very good golf. So yeah, we we you're on Furyk, I'm not. So that's likely to be a terrible mistake for my outset. <laughs> but of the top boys, I think Furick has the best chance on this. My my shortest price in this is Abraham Anser, mm. who I managed to grab yesterday when we published on Monday at forty-five to one. Yeah, with sporting been, bets it's been, been heavily he? He has been heavily... Well, back. everyone's on him, so which means traditionally that it's not a good thing. But I just like answer Played some very neat golf at TPC Sawgrass. And for me, I don't know what you think, but just having watched it here over the years, it really does fall into line. I'm looking at strokes, gain numbers, as we do every week. Taking the last three winners, Hoffman, Chaplin, and Landry. We look at those tournament skill averages. Strokes gained putting 11. Strokes gained around the green 38th. But listen to this. Strokes gained tee to green 4th. Well, that's often the case on the PJ Tour, isn't it? Yeah. Strokes gained approach 6th. What you don't tend to see, though, is such a high number for strokes gained off the tee. 7th. That can be very, very... That can all, That often can be the weakest number. Yeah. But you've got to be a very high... Percentage total driver I think this this week yeah, someone yeah. that can hit the ball a decent distance well it can work either way you can be Jim Furyk and hit every fairway or you can be someone that's got 290 295 um, distance and can hit lots and lots of fairways that's the way I'm looking at it
1: yeah no I can see that I can see that yeah I, I, Kevin, accuracy Kevin Chappell yeah you can't be flagrant off the turn. No, I don't think so. No, there's too, there's too much danger. There's there's too many bogeys out there if you're uh, if you're too wayward from off the tee.
0: And if you look at Brendan Steele, who's an absolute course horse form, you know he's a he's a horse for the course, in not he? You know one thing about Brendan Steele: very long, very straight. Keegan Bradley would suit this down to the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This golf course. If he could, if he could make a three foot putt. That's so I'm with Anser because Anser has been if there's one thing that Anser's game is built on it's finding fairways and hitting it a half a half reasonable distance. He's no. not the longest but he's a he's a good 290, 293 hitter with the golf ball. Yeah he's a good total driver isn't he? He is a very good total driver. Um, San Antonio lad that can work both ways he's clearly a local. Um, he's clearly going to have masses of support. He's going to be sleeping in his own bed as they say on the PGA Tour. Um, has plenty of course knowledge. Two attempts here, nothing major. But back in those days, he wasn't nearly half the for that he is now. Mm. And I think when he when he when he's come here, especially the first time he played here, I think he missed like seven cuts on the PGA Tour, and then he came here and actually made a half decent performance. Mm. I just think that answers the sort that might use this as a platform. And actually, if you look at um, Herman, Matt Jones. Um, you look at um, other players here, even Brendan Steele, who's won here in the past. Um, they actually capture their first title. I mean, look at Andrew Landry last year. He was a he he, he was a tour maiden. Yep. Kev, Kevin Chapel he won his first PGA Tour event here, and uh, oh, Kevin Chapel at 33 to one. There's no value in that price. He's absolute rubbish, and he he goes and wins because. I think he'd played uh, he'd finished 7th Augusta. He he's playing the very very good golf confidence boosted he got the job done hasn't won again mind mm. but it's that kind of event where first time winners can crop up so I just thought answer very very logically um I think he was 3rd after 36 holes and 5th after 54 holes at the players championship yeah. this is clearly going to be a level down from that this is clearly going to have less pressure um he's a good golfer. So I, uh, I just thought that, uh, he's, he, he was born in Texas, went straight to Mexico and then his education has all been in the States. So he, he's got dual nationality, but I think answers a decent shout this week.
1: Yeah. And we saw it didn't we, with the Australian open where he won uh, back end of last year, that he's well capable of getting over the line. And, uh, you know, that's
0: he, not an easy goal. That's not an that, easy goal, of course, no, to win an Australian no. open
1: either. No, And, uh, you know, uh, how much better is this going to be this week it's not the not the most stellar of PGA Torfields by any stretch is it so um, yeah, no, I, the I, other I like th-
0: that the other thing I liked about Anser was for me he's more bent grass positive just looking at all of his results mm. and I think that these greens play far more like bent than they do, they with, do with, with the, overseed. With the
1: overseed, yeah. Oh, no. so
0: I think this will play more into his wheelhouse that actually got me looking at our friend the wunderkind yoking Neiman and I never tipped him up I know he has been tipped up, but Neiman is waiting for Bentgrass Greens. Mm. Uh, and he was the th- top five here
1: last year. Yeah, he did play well, played well last year, mm-hmm. didn't
0: he? I didn't tip him. Um, there is a lot of interest in him, and I can see why. I actually think that Neiman at some point will pop when we get to Bentgrass, yeah. which will be very, very soon. Uh, he's clearly a bent grass positive player rather than a Bermuda grass and I think because these players have to pay a, a huge chunk of their time on greens they can't stand all of a sudden you know the, the form and the game starts to collapse because they've got no motivation to turn up at these events anyway because they know they're going to struggle with a putter.
1: Yeah. That only works both ways, doesn't it? Some of them are waiting for the Bermuda, Bermuda greens to come along in Florida and some of them are waiting for the bent. It's um, If you can just pick those right players at the right time with that bit of knowledge then... Uh, Pick up a nice juicy price.
0: To mix it up, who's your second selection? Because I know you've got three. I don't know who they are, but I know you've got three. Yeah,
1: I've I've gone for um, a former world number one, Luke Donald. And this is a price play, really, because I thought 125 to one for a player who is as capable as Donald um, at his very best is is um, worth taking a chance on. I know you know he had a t- terrible 2018, didn't he? But he's he's had back issues. It's the first time, really. He's had a lot of injuries in his career and up to that point. He's done well, but you know the boy's knocking forty now. Or he is forty, so he's <laughs> starting to starting to struggle with a few of these issues. But he seems fine. He seems fit. and um, he came out of the Valspar and he finished ninth. He was fourth going into Sunday, and he played some really nice stuff. I mean, from T to green, he was solid without being spectacular, but. As soon as he hasn't played so much golf, his uh, short game and his putting was right on point. He looked really sharp on around the greens, which is, which is good. I, I, I was really impressed with the way that he, uh, he he got on with it actually. And he was thirteenth here when he played TPC San Antonio on debut back in twenty sixteen. He was third going into Sunday, so, um, you know, he's got a bit of course form there, and um, you know, with this medical medical extension he's on, it's um, it's time for him to uh, to start. Uh, start playing some good golf, I think, and uh, get himself back onto the tour full time. But I was impressed with that outing at the Valspar, I must say, and I don't see this being beyond him to get something along the same kind of lines. So I thought 125 to one was um, was worth a stab.
0: What were the issues in terms of the medical? Do you know? Um, he
1: had back problems last year, so it was on and off, and um. He, you know, yeah, and a lot of the golfers do get it, don't he? But he, he, he's, you know, he said at the Valspar that he was playing inj— injury-free, but pain-free now. So, um, that's a step in the right direction. And, um, you know, at his very, very best, he, he was, you know, very, very good from tee to green. Very, very good round the round on and around the greens. And I don't think his long game is quite back where it is. Perhaps he's holding back a little bit given the back, but um. I think he's he's moving in the right direction, and could he play here at one hundred and twenty-five? I can't really see a reason to to not take a chance on that, to be honest.
0: What price do you think he's going to be at the RBC Heritage in two <laughs> weeks? A golf course he absolutely adores.
1: Well, after he wins here this week, then I expect he'll be down to about twenty-two to one.
0: He could be world number one <laughs> before he gets to the RBC. You know, if he wins this week, gets into the Masters, wins that. Yeah, I, I, I think it was it, good to see him back, wasn't yeah, it? Was it? He's a very, that. very popular player. I, I, you, you know, there's nothing you can say about Luke Donald. That he, very nice player. Uh, just a, you know, clearly an ex-world number one, one of Europe's um, pioneers when it came to the Ryder Cup and being part of the, the, the teams that that went so well a few years ago. He, he, he was a sad miss, and it's mm. um, it's good to see him back playing something used. Closer to where he should be.
1: Yeah, I think I think his Valspar effort um, surprised him really because I don't think he intended um, or expected to come out and be so competitive, but he was. He wouldn't, uh, you know. But uh, but yeah, he's. Know, it was it was driven from you know, looking really really sharp on and around the greens, and I think you know if he if he can make it through the weekend and over the um, the, the first couple of days, you know, any hindrance in terms of lack of distance off the tee is not going to be a problem because it's going to be firm and fast and then um, if he can make a score over the weekend with a hot putter then who says he can't get in the mix which we'll see
0: one thing I've noticed with this tournament there's a huge link with a web.com event and that event is the Boise Open
1: right
0: don't ask me why um can't answer it, but all I know is Charlie Hoffman, in his Web.com career, went very well at Boise, as is as did Stephen Bowditch. Jimmy Walker was second in Boise way back in two thousand and four. Brendan still had a couple of top tens at Boise, so these are all players that have won. Uh, sorry, all players that have won, or oh, well, yeah, they have won this, um, and they played well at the Boise Open. Now, Andrew Landry was the latest in a long list. He was fifth at Boise in 2017. So that kind of got me thinking. Mm. Uh, we've also got players like Billy Horschel, who's a course horse here. Yeah. He's finished sixth in Boise. There's a whole list. I don't know what this link is. Kevin Tway, he won at Boise in 2013. He was in the top five here a couple of years ago when he was, uh, a, I think he might have been a rookie on tour that, that year there's a massive link between these two tournaments now that isn't the main reason I've picked these oh uh, sorry I've jumped I shouldn't have jumped we were talking about this off, off mic because we talking talking about players that are old relatively old but of making a comeback one player I regret not backing well there's two one will be Jim Furyk <laughs> the second one is uh, is the second one at a good price Ernie Els
1: yeah, he's showing little snippets. Of oh, I think form. Ernie
0: Els is worth is worth a fiver or something this week because he played very well in Malaysia on the European Tour a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, didn't he? Yeah, and he's he hit tons and tons of greens.
1: Yeah, it's funny in Malaysia because my pre analysis before the event, um, Ernie popped up on a lot of the stats, and you know, I, I kind of got to the point. Where I looked, I thought, I just can't, I can't back him, I can't pulled a trigger on that so it didn't and then of course you start looking at the leaderboard once it gets going and uh, and the names staring you in the face but uh, but he did play well he did play well might be live in the old here in tw-
0: third here in 2010 and he was 30th here last year when he was playing absolute garbage but mm. well, he clearly isn't playing garbage anymore now i think as an each way punt and you can get 125 to 1, 8 places each way with Betfair Sportsbook. I think that is a fantastic price for Ernie Els. Okay, this Boise link. My final two. I've only gone for three this week. My final two both have good finishes in Boise. Um the first one is Johnny Vegas. Now I couldn't back Johnny Vegas last week at sixteen to one, that's too short. and that that fact on the corral is again. You know this fact about the prices and the world rankings. Mm. Again, it came to fruition. Yeah, it was someone that off the pace that that came and took that, rather than someone that's at sixteen to one winning it. Yeah, yeah. Expectation. The other thing, the other thing I think that got to Sun Jae In was that he knew that if he won. He got into the Masters, and that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure on a player. He will win
1: some, JM. He's, he's, he's too good not to, but uh, he's still learning how to, how to do it, isn't he? And the BJ tour, much is clear. He had a great chance last week.
0: Now, Johnny Vegas, I've gone one and a half points each way, 50 to one, with Sporting Bet, I got yesterday. Seven plays each way, 50 odds. He's a Lone Star-based player, based in uh, Texas. Um, you could think of him as a resort course bully. But actually, when you dig into him, he can play on a mixture of courses. I mean, I'm seeing third at Torrey Pines, seventh and third at TPC Sawgrass. You know, these aren't bullying tracks. Fourth at Congressional. Um, He's been his fourth at the Honda Classic. I mean, you know, these are tough technical golf courses. And 2017 third at Glen Oaks, that was the Northern Trust Open, the old Barclays tournament, Um, played in New York and he was a a shot or two shy of Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson that week. He he can play at the very highest level. And he reminds me slightly of JB Holmes from a few years ago, 10th at TPC Scottsdale, 16th at PGA National, third at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, He probably turned up last week and thought, oh, I'm kind of one of the favourites to win this. And as we invariably know with a lot of these players, as soon as they know they're they're near the top of the betting, that doesn't fit very nicely with them. But two things um, really jump out at me with Johnny Vegas. Three things, in fact. He's playing very good golf. He's hitting tonnes and tonnes of greens. Uh, The other thing was, he was third at the Boise Open in 2010. So I love that link. And he's absolutely obliterating par fives right now. He's playing well, isn't
1: he? Um, he was
0: twelve tw- he that. was oh yeah, he was twelve under for the par fives at the players' championship when he finished third. Mm. And he was twelve under last week, which again was the was the joint best score for the par fives last week. He was just four over on the par threes. But he was shot twelve under again on the par fives last week yeah. to finish twenty sixth. Um, if you look at his numbers, he's been in the top 20 for total driving on a lot of his le- recent outings. He's he's making uh, stroke, he's gaining strokes off the tee. He's hitting tons and tons of fairways. And actually, it's his putting that's usually the weakness. He's putting very well right now. Mm. I think he's been uh, in the top 10 for strokes gained putting, both at the Honda Classic and at the players. So when you've got a great ball striker that's actually got real confidence with the flat stick... That's when you need to be careful with them. Also, tenth at TPC Scottsdale and third at TPC Sawgrass this year, and uh, listeners will know that both of those tournaments featured uh, overseeded Bermuda grass with Poa trivialis and bent grass. So he clearly likes the putting surface. So I just thought fifty to one. He is the sort that would just pop up. And and win this at a reasonable price. Yeah,
1: I, I I can't I can't dispute it whatsoever. I think he's got a great chance this week. I think the fact that you've got two different you know, almost two a contest or an event of two halves where you've got a trickier test and then potentially a scoring test. And as you said, you know, he can he can compete in both of those styles. Some 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 players, you know, your pigeonhole as simply a, a technical golf player. Some, you know, the, the, the excellent resort courses. But if he's got uh, you know, experience and ability to perform on both types of track, both types of setup, you know, both, both, both sets of conditions, then uh, I think he sets up very nicely. 50 a, to 1 was, was
0: He ain't a strong. bad wind player, you know. No, no. He was in the top. He's, a, he's, in, my, he's in the predictor variable ranking for wind. He's in the top 15. Yeah. He can play in wind. Yeah. He's also the sort, and as you said, this bangs bangs on the nail, really. If he was within four or five shots of the lead going into the weekend, and it gets called Saturday morning, and then all of a sudden you've got a soft golf course mm. with barely no wind for the last thirty-six holes, he's the kind of player that could just shoot lights out.
1: Yeah. No, I like Vegas. I like. I mean, we've mm-hmm. talked about him two or three times over the last few weeks on the podcast about a player who we think is going to win at some point, and some point quite soon. And um, fifty to one is a fair price to take this week to to see if it is this week
0: the other one I've gone for he's a little bit more left field but I thought he was overpriced there was a little bit of 125 at first that disappeared is Scott Stanley yeah he's another player that plays better on technical courses he's finished 11th here as a rookie in 2011 he was 13th here in 2016 that latter performance was off the back of six straight missed cuts (laughs) uh And that particular year, he was first for strokes gained approach here and second for strokes gained tee to green. But as Scott tends to, he putted pretty poorly. Mm. But the putt has been a lot more uh, consistent recently. Uh, And, of course, he was third at Pebble Beach. He was ninth last time out at Valspar. And just those stretching, tougher golf courses, I think, play more to Stallings. And as we've learnt with him in the past... He's the sort that can string two consecutive or three consecutive top tens together when he's hitting greens and when, when the putter's a lot uh, more compliant than it usually is. He's got a bit of confidence with that putter. Yeah. So I think he's another. I mean, two, two of his three wins, 10 under at the Greenbrier Classic and 9 under at the 2014 Farmers Insurance. So he can play tougher uh, technical or mid-score kind of tracks. And if you just look at him, PGA West, he's done well there. So uh, we're talking Bob Hope Classic, the old career builder, desert classic as it is now. He's also finished in the top five at Colonial, Deer Run and Sea Island. And you look at previous winners here, Andrew Landry and Kevin Chapel. they all share those four golf courses in terms of good finishes. Yeah. So I just thought Stallings. I was, surprised. I was expecting more kind of 66s when, I, when the shows would come up. To see him at triple digits, I was pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, we know he can get the job done, don't we? He's, he's not one of these players who perennially yeah. doesn't get over the line. He has won. He's, he's he's proven his ability to do that. So, worth a chance. I
0: it. think I think that's good with him in Vegas. You have got guys there, three PGA Tour victories, and yeah. so they can actually they can actually grasp the mantle and win. Mm. Um, <laughs> we don't know with answer. I think answer is a good player though. Um, and he clearly won in Australia against a decent field. That win he had out there, Kuchar was playing. Cameron Smith, Branch Snedeker, Benny Ann, Brendan Steele. It wasn't a it wasn't a poor no, it wasn't quality it was, tournament was, that he won. It, down it was, there.
1: it was good. I mean, yeah, the, the, the depth started to um, to drop away after those headlines. But even so, you still got to beat those top players, and he, he did just mm. that. So that will give him massive confidence for for the rest of his career. So. So I'm on
0: Ants of Vegas and Stallings. Who's your final selection?
1: My final one, I've gone for Brian Harmon, who I was really impressed with at TPC Sawgrass when he finished eighth. And I think his results up until that point had not really reflected how well he'd been playing. I think he'd been playing better than than his results were. And, you know, I think there were five missed cuts and seven starts. So it looked pretty poor. Um, then finished eight for the players. He was 2nd for his all-round um, game that week. His long game looked really good. Um, I know he's not the longest, but again, going back to what we've said about the way this course was set up, particularly for the first couple of days, I don't see that being such an issue. And if he finds his way through to the weekend and it's softer, um, we know he's very good in the wind and he's an exceptional putter. So I think all the players who managed to get themselves through to the weekend in that and, and are a little bit shorter off the tee, still stand a chance. I think they've got, you know, with a, with a hot weekend with a putter, I think they've got uh, got a stab at this. I'm um, a Sea Island resident, so he's going to gonna be good in the wind anyway. But um, yeah. he's got a decent record in Texas, full stop. And his last three Texas efforts seventh at the Dean and DeLuca in 2017, uh, ninth at the match play in Austin last year, and then 14th at Fort Worth. Last year as well in his last Texas Texas start, so he's got some decent incoming Texas form, and um, three top twenty-two finishes here at the Oaks course as well from five starts, so a bit of course form as well to go with it. And I thought a hundred to one for seven places was worth a stab on someone again who we've seen can get over the line. Um, one at eighty to one was it last season? I think it was. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of seasons ago. So
0: I tipped him last time out. In fact, I, t- I tipped Kevin Kisner last time out. Did very little. Goes and wins the world <laughs> yeah. match play. I tipped Harmon, missed the cut. But that was on the basis that he... I think he was top 10 for G.I.R. at the players. Yeah. He, he clearly showed a bit there. I could see him going well here. Yeah. No,
1: I think I think he's short in stature,
0: but he actually gets the ball out there.
1: It's, yeah, and, and he's total driving at... Um, at the players was I think he was top fifteen, top twenty, that kind of area. So if he's keeping mm. it in play and he's hitting it, you know, a, a mid distance, then he's going to give himself a chance. Particularly on firm, and far screens or fairways to start the start the event and uh, just see how he fares over the weekend. I think there'll be a few players that you quite could quite fancy who will have dropped away by the weekend. So um, it'll be a bit of a shootout and uh, who's got the hottest putter on Saturday, Sunday.
0: And when he's, you look at last year, La- Landry, Mullinax, Walker all got a U.S. Open history to them. Mm. Landry, I think, was he second at the U.S. Open at Oakmont when no one had ever heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mullinax was uh, contending at uh, the first one that Kepka won. Uh, Walker's had a top 10 in the U.S. Open. Kevin Chappell's got a good U.S. Open history. Charlie Hoffman has contended in U.S. Open. I think that was the, one, the, f- the first one Kepka won as well. Um, so there, there's a definite US Open narrative in a lot of the names that you see at the top of the leaderboards yeah, at yeah. this tournament yeah and you can, you can see so the yeah, logic Har- Harman, Harman was in the I think he finished in the top three didn't he two years ago uh, yeah he it was yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, it's he's the golf course that I always forget the name of
1: was it Erin Hills one was
0: it yes Erin Hills and that was the, clearly the one that Malinax was contended mm. in as well so there's, there's a link with Erin Hills to this Kepka was second here two years ago Behind Kevin yeah, Chapman.
1: yeah, it's all, all kind of so seemed see to that. slot yeah, into place, isn't
0: it? I tell you one who also interested me, but I didn't like the price, and but he is a real course specialist. Is Aaron Badley?
1: Yeah, I know. I noticed that myself actually. He's got a decent record here, and he's, was he seventh or twelfth last time out? So there was a couple of decent uh, mm. recent efforts, wasn't there?
0: he's doing his usual, you know, he can't hit a green for fun, but he, he does that all of the time. But actually when I dug into his numbers here, he's always playing the same kind of way, but for some reason he can get round here and he can actually find a decent amount of greens. There's clearly something about the course. Yeah. And I've always read with Aaron Badley. Uh, he's just, I think he, he also, he always goes well in desert kind of settings. And this is quite barren here. Yeah. Um, and he's just got some very, very strong numbers here. Um, third in 2010, 15th in 2013, 20th 2015, 5th 2017, 16th last year. So, you know, there's worse bets out there than Aaron badly problem. Yeah,
1: 50 to 1. Yeah, 7th last just, time. Out, yeah, it. it's,
0: it's, not, it's not the best of prices, is it? Not the best of prices, but... I would not be surprised to see Badley in the mix either.
1: No, it could be a decent DraftKings player actually. Eight three for Badley, given that he really, yeah, given that he doesn't mm. tend to miss cuts around here, and uh, well, his recent form, second seventeenth missed cut seventh, so three very high scoring from a DraftKings perspective weeks from four yeah. on a course that he likes. That's uh, could be a play that one. Anything else
0: from a DraftKings perspective before we? Yeah, I've, I've not appearance? put a team
1: together yet, so that was the one just caught my eye just then. That's um, that that looked pretty good for, for being part of a team, I must say. But uh, yeah, now I'll I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give it a little bit more thought over the next uh, next day or so. Okay,
0: I think that's just about us. Hmm.
1: Yeah masters uh, preview later in the week and uh, then our pick show as you say uh, early part of next week can't wait excellent
0: can't wait right thank you paul much appreciated for your time yeah you too i'll speak to you later in the week and thank you to the listeners we will be back later this week as paul said for the masters pre-show thanks for listening and of course leave us your itunes reviews put your name in the review as well so i can read that out And uh, we'll get you on the Masters show next week. Goodbye.